The Mothership Podcast is sponsored by Hawaii Surrogacy Center. Start your family with Hawaii's leading surrogacy agency. joining us for a special edition, special Olympics, Summer Olympics edition of Mothership. Steph Noli and Brooke here along with you on this ride. Oh, man, what an exciting summer games it's been so far, Noles and Brooke. Uh, what do you guys like, enjoy watching the most? I gotta say, of course, we're from Hawaii, local girl, surfing, Carissa, surfing is my spot, my sport too. Oh, that was so awesome. I mean, seeing her maneuver the waves and it was so challenging because it was really rough and sloppy conditions, not ideal, but yeah, she seemed confident coming out there and awesome to see her win the gold medal. What about you, Brooke? Yeah, and that was chicken skin watching Chris's family watch it live too, right? I think for us, we just, I love the Olympics. Like it's just nice to have it on all the time. So all the sports, um, you know, even diving and gymnastics. And that was interesting this year too. Today we're watching, uh, I think it's called power walking or <laughs> that it's like a 50 kilometer. And it's like when the like you can't lift two feet off the ground at the same time. And we're like, what? And it's, it's so, it's interesting to watch it because it's kind of funny, but it's, it looks like it's really hard too. Like 50 yeah. kilometers, they're doing it for over three hours. So oh I can't gosh. imagine that, but yeah. all of it is just interesting and cool. All of it is so interesting and it's very inspirational. And, you know, there's so much intense moments, you know, when it comes neck and neck, especially with swimming and, you know, the running and triathlon, kayaking. That was, I kind of got into kayaking too. That was kind of cool. And of course we can't forget the women's and men's basketball. And if you take a closer look at the court, man, you might even see a Hawaii connection out there. Yeah, we are talking about my Forsberg. Yeah, she is a referee at the Tokyo Olympics, and she's a former University of Hawaii basketball wahine playing guard during the 1996 to 2000 seasons under the coach Vince Gu. You know, my transition from player to professional referee, she's been selected to officiate in the NCAA, WNBA, at Eurobasket Women, and as we speak, as I mentioned, at the Tokyo Summer Olympics. Please welcome Mai Forsberg to Mothership. Yay! Hey, welcome, Thanks, Mai. Mai. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> so mm -hmm. Mai, okay, I gotta ask you, what has it been like officiating the basketball games in the Olympics? I mean, it's, it's something, you know, I think this is the ultimate pinnacle, right, in sports, like not just in, you know, the, you know, each sport has their world championships, European championships, but to really make it to this stage, I mean, it, it's so, so special. Um, obviously, you know, this year, it, the circumstances have been, have been different, right, but, but nevertheless, I mean, it's, I think it's going to hit you, you know, after it's all done you know, that, that you were here, you know, a part of this super, super special, special uh, event. So I kind of can read between the lines. It's been really 
tough because, I mean, you have to be on your game as a ref on the international stage. So sounds like you haven't quite, you know, let it all set in. Yeah, pretty much. And, and uh, I mean, the preparation leading up to this, you know, was pretty intense. I think this is about, I uh, spent about two months. I was, have spent about two months total now, um, you know, just leading up to this. Uh, I was at the Eurobasket in uh, France and, and Spain hosted that event, which was the European Championships for Women. And then uh, that was a bubble also. And then from with there, I went to the U19 World Championships for, for men in uh, Latvia. So that was another two week bubble. And then it was just a quick stop home uh, through the States and then straight to Tokyo. So, you know, it's been, it's been pretty, pretty crazy in that sense, you know, but just really focusing on, on the task at hand, obviously. And, um, you know, just to let our listeners know, you're, you're originally from Denmark and you're also part Japanese. Your mom is from Japan. Yes, that's right. So I was uh, born and raised in Copenhagen or just outside of Copenhagen where I grew up uh, playing basketball. And then uh, my mom is, is from Japan. She's from uh, a place just north of uh, Kyoto. So my, I have family, uh, Kyoto, Osaka, and in Tokyo and kind of grew up, you know, between uh, Denmark and Japan. And then uh, when I had the opportunity, obviously to go to Hawaii to play basketball, you know, that was just the perfect a dream come true, right? And uh, just to be still in the United States, but close to Asia, close to Japan, you know, in this beautiful, beautiful 50th state, right? Like the most amazing place still to me uh, was just a dream come true. Like just having, you know, having access to just Japanese culture, food, you know, people that kind of look like me, you know, because in Scandinavia, I am not the tall, you know, the tall blonde, you know, the stereotypical Scandinavian person, right? So it was really home to me to come to Hawaii. And yeah, so that's why even so, even more so, like the Tokyo Olympics is really, really special since it's in my, my, mother's, my mother's homeland, but for sure. So with um, all those backgrounds, um, does that cause kind of a conflict then in terms of what games you're allowed to wrap? Yes, unfortunately it does. So because I live in the States and referee uh, the US, you know, the WNBA, um, so I, I would, I'm not able to referee uh, USA games, unfortunately. And then because of my uh, mother's citizenship of being Japanese and I'm half, I'm unable to officiate uh, Japan. So that sort of ruled me out here since Japan, you know, have, have been doing really well. They, they won in an upset here the other night and they're in one semi and US is in the other. So that's sort of the, the bittersweet, you know, I'm cheering on obviously uh, for Japan, but again, that, that just means that, that your Olympics sort of, you know, stopped early, but such is life. Sounds like they, but that's a good thing because it sounds like the Olympics, you know, they're really keeping everything tight and fair and, um, you know, level playing ground is even with the, oh, the refereeing. Sure. Yeah. So yes. that is so, so interesting. So what is, when, when you're refing, what does a typical day look like? How do you, how does your day go when you, when you have to ref? Yeah. So uh, it's pretty structured. Um, it's very, I feel like the international setting is very different from, uh, from in the States. Uh, but it's, it's more of a, um, I think that there's a lot of emphasis on the teamwork and on the group. And not just on the crew, because we are three officials on the court with a, an alternate, with a standby. 
but uh, generally we'll get up in the morning and we'll do what we call morning activation. So that's everybody together. I think we're about 30, 30 officials here. We all wear the same color. You know, we have a designated warm up. I mean, a fitness gear. We all wear the same thing and we'll go and, uh, and kind of activate. And that's, you know, we'll do some, just some, you know, conditioning, some strength training, et cetera, just to kind of get us going. And it helps obviously for team building since we're 30 officials from, you know, all different, all parts of the world, five continents, basically. Um, and then after that, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll have breakfast and then we'll meet, we'll have what we call a day game meeting where we'll go over uh, just scouting uh, the two teams that we have. And when I say scouting, it's just more for us to prepare for the style of play, you know, what kind of matchups we're going to have, you know, who their key players are, um, you know, some of the, look at, look at that, some of their stats, like what the tendencies are, just so that we can come in somewhat prepared and not be surprised, right? We, as referees, we want to try to control, right? Um, kind of what, what we're expecting so that we don't, you know, I guess basically get surprised and, you know, caught off guard. That's the one thing that we don't want to be. Um, and then after that, we'll probably just rest and then we'll head to the game about two hours before and uh, just kind of get ready, get warmed up. We'll have a, a last last bit of talk and then 20 minutes before the game, we, uh, we get on the floor. So that's kind of what a traditional game day looks like. And then obviously after the game, we will, uh, we call it debrief or do a post game where we'll have referee instructors that are noting uh, play situations or, you know, just for us to kind of review and uh, evaluate and sort of help us, you know, as this tournament is progressing, kind of get on the, on the same page and make sure that we're all, you know, calling the same guidelines and the same criteria. So, and then after that, we do it all over again the next day. Mai, how long have you been refing? Uh, I've been refing over 15 years. Um, I've been doing uh, the WNBA since 2008, and I've been doing women's college NCAA since, I want to say 2005, something like that, 2005 maybe, and then uh, Olympics or international competition. I think this is my sixth, sixth summer that I'm doing this, so a long time since the playing yeah. days. Yeah. But, and then you're only one of five female referees at the Olympics right now. So, you know, after, you know, you've been refing for more than 20 years, you said, right? Correct. So, I mean, Correct. why only five? And I mean, it, does the world still see female referees as a new thing still or? No, uh, Stephanie, that is, a, that is an excellent question that unfortunately I don't quite have the answer, but I feel like, you know, I think in America, um, it's a much different place. I think Title IX has a lot to do with it, you know, um, and just, I think, especially since our, uh, as referees, we're separated into either you referee women's basketball or men's basketball. So I feel like in that sense, there's been a lot more development probably on the women's side. And with that, it's not atypical to see women officiate right sometimes we would have we'll have three women on, on a game and I think that's just sort of become the norm and the standard um but definitely you know and the same goes for the WNBA sort of the same same sort of initiatives especially I mean it's a women's game right you want to I think players coaches stakeholders you know appreciate seeing women in, in these positions but um 
I think internationally, I just, you know, each country obviously has to develop their talent. And uh, I'm hoping that it's something that's starting to come along. Um, and I, I think definitely FIBA is making a big push at the moment uh, to get more, more women, especially former players, uh, engaged and to kind of realize that, you know, like we talked about, like, you know, that you actually can have a career, you know, you don't have to become a player. And you don't have to, you know, once you're done playing professionally, you know, coaching is not the only thing that you can do, right? You can actually officiate, right? Which, you know, I would love, that's something that, you know, I feel like is, is sort of a responsibility and a privilege for me to maybe share with other women, you know, after me to, to really think, hey, this is a great way to stay in touch with, you know, the game that we love and, and make a career out of it, right? And it takes you places too, you know, it takes you around the world. So it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty neat. Yeah. Maya, you're, you're pretty high up there, though. And um, if you don't mind me asking, only because I myself and, you know, I was talking with Brooke and Noli earlier, you know, it's not often that we hear about, you know, this being a choice of a career, you know, career choice. Um, you're doing very well. I would <laughs> imagine you're very successful at, at what you do. But if you don't mind me asking, um, you know, starting out, is it, is it rough? Um, and uh, I mean, what it, what does a starting pay look like? And is there room for growth and, and, and being able to survive with that pay later on? <laughs> yeah, no, those are all very, very good questions. I think, um, you know, I think as we all look back at our life and our career, I feel like uh, officiating sort of chose me, if, if that makes sense. It was more I sort of started a bit of a, on a bit of a dare, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I was uh, probably not the, you know, saint-like uh, sitting on the sidelines at UH. You know, there may have been some communication, right? Uh, going on with the referees. So uh, after I finished playing, actually uh, some of the local refs, um, Pat Tanibe back then was running sort of the, kind of the local high school association and, and they sort of dared me to come out. You know, if, if I think I know so much about the rules and about the game, maybe I should give it a shot, right? And, and I was like, okay, I mean, how hard can it really be, right? So that's sort of how I got started. Like it's, it's really, uh, when I look back at it, like so serendipitous, right? I come from, from Copenhagen. I end up, you know, across the world in Hawaii um, and then, you know, start refing after, uh, after finishing my, my basketball playing days. But it's, it's something that I think looking back and obviously the opportunities are much different now, but it's just, I think it's, it's whether you have it or not in terms of like sort of the, you know, the mentality of, you know, you're gonna go in and you're gonna get highly criticized, right? Extremely and, uh, and just, you know, whether that bothers you or not, or if that, or if you take that as a challenge, or if you kind of shy away from that, I think that's probably the first thing that, that you learn um, about yourself, right? And I think the way to get started now is you, you just start working like little kids, you know, in, in some of those um, leagues, right, on the weekends. And to be honest with you, that's probably the toughest games to work because the parents, you know, we know, we know parents, right? Um, and, and if that doesn't bother you, and if that's a challenge for you to, you know, to do your job and, and do well, then, you know, maybe this is something for you. So I, I would say that's kind of, that's kind of the first thing is to see if it's something you would enjoy, because trust me, you will be, 
in you know shrouded in negativity and everyone has something to say right um gotta have thick skin yeah yeah for sure but on the other hand i sort of take that as a challenge right like i enjoy having a job where you always have to perform like you can't just go to the office and and just take a day off right and just kind of surf the web or whatever you like you know whatever you could do and sort of hide like in this profession, anytime you step on the court, you have to perform. And if you don't, you know, there are ramifications, both obviously in terms of your advancements, but also, you know, reputation, right? So I kind of, I enjoy that. I think it's nice that it matters what you do day in, day out in that sense. And, and obviously being a role model, I think that's a, a huge responsibility as well. But um, sorry, I got a little sidetracked, but I would say uh, get into probably um, doing some kids games first to see if it's for you. Then contact the local high school, high school association to see if uh, you know, you can kind of get in there, get some training, get a rule book and kind of learn how the system works. And then from there, honestly, um, most people think you have to pass a test and you have to do all this and that, and that's not the case at all. So you really just, it's whatever you make of it, right? It's however hard you work, however much video uh, work you do to really be critical and, and try to present that whole package so that when you go to try out, which in our case is usually AAU tournaments in the mainland. So each college supervisor for, let's say, so I work on the East Coast. I work the ACC, SEC, Big 10, Big 12. So each of those supervisors will attend these summer camps and that's basically referee tryouts. And if they like what they see, you, um, you get extended a contract. And that's basically, that was my situation. Like, you know, the, the local guys in Hawaii were saying, you should, you know, go to the mainland and kind of see how things work over there. And, and I think my, my first year after just doing the uh, uh, OIH, I believe it was called, I don't know if it's still called that, but the private, the private schools in Hawaii. After doing that, that uh, season, I went to a, a college camp in California and just to kind of see what refereeing was about. And, and there I was extended a division one contract and it just kind of took off from there. Yeah. So it was super for- fortunate, you know, um, how I kind of fell into it, but that's sort of the, the natural progression, I would say. But is, is this a career where you can make big money? Well, everything is relative, obviously, but again, I would say with Title IX and, and the way that uh, football is driving revenue for universities, and that has a trickle-down effect, obviously, to other sports, uh, absolutely, you know, you can, you can certainly make a very, very good career out of this. As a matter of fact, I used to have a, a full-time job. I used to work in finance as a, a software developer, uh, programmer, and consultant, and uh, I think in 2014, I, I made officiating my full-time, uh, my full-time career since it's, you know, college goes into the W and then we have international competitions in the summer. So it just, it was too difficult to juggle two things at once. So yeah, absolutely. You can make this full-time, a full-time thing. Yeah. And Maya, I know we also got to witness a, a first female ref in in the NFL, right? And that was mm-hmm. really, really awesome to see. Do you know right. if there's any discrepancy between male and female professional refs? In terms of? Of just the pay? Or is that um, really not? No, no. Uh, awesome. There's no, I think just the women's, I think in basketball and in, uh, in college, I think the men get paid a little bit higher, a little bit more than we do. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, for the most part, I have to say it's it's pretty it's pretty equal, which is great. Yeah, awesome. You know, you were talking earlier about uh, a lot of uh, geez uh, pressure, um, and and you're talking about how parents kind of like totally yeah. look at every move and whatnot. But I was watching the Olympics and. Um, it was beach volleyball, women's beach volleyball. And I know the referee at that game was very scrutinized because, you know, the ball appeared like it went out, but I think she said it went in. And then I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but they just kept going back and forth and then they were trying to fight it. And then they had to look at the replay. And so she had to reverse her call. Um, you know, what, how do you survive that much pressure? And you know, people call you really bad names and they swear at you and you can feel it from the crowd even. Right, right. Um, I know that's a good question. Um, I think that, you know, I think it's, you know, I, I, us as referees, like we look at the game so differently than a fan, right? And it's sort of an occupational hazard. And now it doesn't matter what sport I watch, I'm always <laughs> refereeing it, you know, rather than, enjoying it unfortunately but I think it's just a matter of like you're relying on your training like you know what you're out there you know trying to do you know we each have responsibilities and then honestly the the crowd noise you know it sort of just kind of goes away uh you don't really notice it too much and I mean we have jokes internally like who got the biggest boo that night you know uh, there's obviously that, but I mean, for the most part, you just kind of honed in and, and honestly, the, the fans comments, you know, can be rather humorous because a lot of times they don't have any clue what the actual rule is. Right. So that's sort of entertaining for us too, but I think it's just a matter of like separating, you know, not letting that outside stuff really get to you and just really focus on, on what you're trying to do. And, and obviously like for us, just relying, you know, on the training and, and like you, you talked about that situation, like we have protocols in place, like I can't speak for beach volleyball, but uh, it always cracks me up when coaches or the fans are saying like, go to replay. And you just want to say, you can only go to replay in the last two minutes. You would know this if you knew the rules, you know? So I think a lot of the stuff is just like ignorance or not being so familiar and just being passionate about the game. And I think, you know, that's a wonderful thing, but you know, that's one thing that's been a little bit sad, you know, being here at the Olympics with no spectators, you know, like not having that. I mean, with Japan being in the semifinals on the women's side, like this arena, which is a beautiful, beautiful venue, would have been full. Right. And it would have been an amazing atmosphere. So so that's a little bit dif difficult, I guess. It just feels more like you're working a scrimmage, you know, because it's so quiet. You can hear everything that the coaches say and, and so forth. But. On the flip side of that, you know, the benefit is I've been able to sit pretty much at the half court mark for some of these big games. You know, yesterday I watched Slovenia, you know, watch Luca play yesterday and just watch watching the USA men's team play. And you're just sitting there by yourself. It's, you know, you got some really nice seats in the house that would probably never happen again. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, just want to ask this other question. It's the first time I'm getting to speak to a professional referee. So I got to ask this, but yeah, is, ask away. Is, is it just part of the game then when, you know, people are name calling and just challenging the ref and you as a referee, do you just accept it as it's part of the game or speaking to you now, do you have thoughts that you could share with people listening that, Hey, um, step into my shoes and, you know, 
don't do that. Um, there's actually a bigger picture that you're missing. Is there something like that that you want to say? Or is it just that it's part of the game and it's always going to happen and you accept that? Or is there something that the folks listening should, should think about the next time that they head down to the game? Right. No, that's excellent. Excellent. Um, I would probably say like, you know, I think, I think people don't quite realize, you know, how difficult of a job it is, right? And uh, usually I like to sort of banter a little bit with the people that are courtside. So if someone is kind of on you, you know, I think it's it's fun to kind of interact with them. And, and whenever, honestly, whenever I've offered them my whistle to come on out and see if they can do a better <laughs> job, they either immediately stop or they go to the restroom or to the concession stand. I mean, no one has stepped up to that challenge yet, right? Um, but I think, you know, I think it's, it's a dynamic that's obviously, you know, it's part of the game, but with that being said, there's also a line, right? And uh, I, I like to think of like, how would you, would you address someone in your family or a friend in the matter that you're addressing a referee? And especially if it's a male addressing a female, like, would you talk to your sister or to your, you know, sister-in-law, would you talk to your wife or to your mother in that way, right? I think sometimes people forget that even though we have a uniform on, we're still people, right? Um, and I think, you know, in the, both in the WNBA and the NBA, there's zero tolerance for when you cross that line. So we have security, you know, if someone is really, you know, being over the top, right? We have security that will go up and issue a warning card. And then, you know, after that, they will be kind, you know, they'll be ex es escorted out of the, out of the building, right? So I think there is, there is a fine line between when it's fun and games and then when it's, you know, when it's just inappropriate. And I think fans just, you know, they got to do a check on themselves, right? Like, you know, maybe someone, one of their friends can watch them having one of these meltdowns and then play it back to them. And then maybe they'll be like, okay, my behavior is not yeah. looking good from the outside. I think that's a skill that a lot of us need, right? Is to be able to perceive ourselves from the outside and see how that looks, right? That's a social skill that I, I feel we're we're kind of lacking in some situations, so. Mm -hmm. So we will do a replay on you, the fans. Let's do a replay. Yeah. Let's do a replay. Yes. <laughs> Film the fans. Yeah. Film the fans. Right. It's amazing how bad the meltdowns can get, right? And it just kind of snowballs. That's, it's always, yeah, entertaining to some degree, but yes. <laughs> Such a nice way to say that it's a meltdown, but holy smokes. <laughs> yeah. We've had a few as of late, oh, right? my. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you too. I was interested in knowing, you know, at the Olympic stage or when you're in different countries as well. How do you folks communicate if there's different languages or even when you don't speak what the players speak? Is it just because the signals all are fine, or is there ways you have to? How do you communicate? You know, because there's a I know, that's an excellent, right? excellent question. So you know, when you're back in the States, obviously you have maybe one or two, you know, occasional foreign players that aren't as proficient yet in English. But here it's, uh, you know, we have the challenge both between us as colleagues, the official language is English, but we have people from, you know, South America, Asia, Africa, where, you know, they're not always speaking English on a daily basis or on the court for that matter. So that's definitely a challenge. You know, we, we learn to obviously communicate clearly. And I know that we talk about, you know, oh, let's just communicate, but that's, there are a lot of degrees of communication, right? And sometimes I think we as Americans, you know, we speak fast and don't realize that that's difficult for non-native speakers to pick up, 
like we kind of, you know, truncate words and use slang, et cetera. So just being a little bit more clear and deliberate and not filling in with a lot of extra, just, you know, clear statements, I think that helps. And then, um, you know, on the court, having different teams, it's, it's super interesting for me. You know, I, I love international uh, settings, obviously, coming from a multicultural background, but, you know, whether you're refereeing China, you know, who they don't speak much English at all, and then versus, you know, another culture that is a lot more vocal and emotional, if that makes sense. Like, it's just, it's so interesting, like the human psychology across cultures, um, you know, the Asian, the Asian cultures like Japan or Korea will be very polite, right? Whereas, you know, South Americans will be more direct, you know? So there's definitely a lot there. Uh, and it kind of sometimes plays to your benefit in that, if they don't speak a lot of English, uh, there's not a lot of complaining, at least not complaining that you can understand. So, so there's that, that too. Um, no, but it, it's it's really fascinating. And I think it just really takes us down to like, obviously, like you said, signals. Uh, you know, we have, you know, whether you're reporting a foul, you're showing what what kind of infraction it was so that everybody understands, right? Without you having to, to explain it. Uh, but then I, I would say like, for me, especially like some of the nuances that I think are my strengths are probably, you know, being able to communicate with the players and coaches, you know, diffusing situations, uh, just understanding sort of the, the human element of sports, right? When, whenever, if a player feels that, you know, they got fouled and it wasn't called, I think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, and get to that person and, and at least say, hey, you know, you know, encourage them in some way. And I think those are things that really, help you out in this profession as opposed to just being that police officer that's just out there writing tickets you know just no no that's a, you know um and of course finding ways to then communicate with people that don't speak english is kind of a nice challenge you know unfortunately i'm not able to to referee japan but you know speaking japanese you know even being around here with table officials like they've been amazing i've never seen such regimented and professional table officials before in my life like they're just so uh, so good at what they do. So, um, like they take it so seriously that, I mean, it, it's, it's been truly amazing, but to be able to communicate with them even, and just, you know, say to them in, in Japanese, you know, or whatever it is, you know, good job. And just to see them light up because that probably never happens, you know, and, yeah. and feel like you're sort of bringing them into the, the team. You know, I think that's just, that's so neat to be able to, uh, to kind of bridge bridge those gaps between mm -hmm. the cultures. So yeah, it's 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 really cool. It's been really, really neat. Do you speak fluent Japanese, Mai? Well, I speak enough to get in trouble. And also <laughs> uh, uh, no. I would say that I, I conversationally I, I can definitely um, I can definitely get by. Um, reading and writing obviously is, is a whole different story, but yeah, it's been, I've been the second translator while we're here. We have one, one Japanese uh, men's official here. Uh, so we've sort of been sharing that responsibility, helping people with their Uber, Uber Eats orders and uh, <laughs> Amazon orders and yeah. just, you know, communicating important with, stuff. you know, transportation, yeah. and, you know, the important yeah. stuff. So mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, having my opinions on, on what food to order, right? We know Japanese food is amazing. So trying as much as possible to kind of share my culture with the people here. And, and again, I'm just, I'm so sad that they don't get the full experience of, 
you know, seeing the sites, going to Tokyo, like really experiencing. I'm sure you, you folks have all hopefully been to Japan once, oh, yeah. right? And oh, yeah, it's, totally. For me, it's, it. it's, it's, it's my, the, the fav- my favorite city in the world. Yeah. So, in, in yeah. my, you know, this is such a, a once in a lifetime job. And I was wondering, did you have to apply, uh, you know, special for this? Were you, or were you selected? Uh, is this something that a lot of people apply for and they don't make it? Yeah. So, um, the international competition is sort of interesting. It's, um, it's sort of, it used to be um, where each team that qualifies to an event, right? So let's say the United States is bringing a men's and a women's team. They could bring one referee each, a women's ref and a men's ref that are called accompanying referees. So that system is sort of in place still, um, but then we also have a bunch of neutrals. So I'm representing Denmark since that's my citizenship. So I'm considered a neutral referee here. So they need, you know, uh, kind of a, a broad spectrum of, of representation from throughout the world. So, you know, we have Africa, we have a guy from the Philippines, obviously Japan, we have uh, tai- Taiwan. Um, and you sort of just like, once you get into the international ranks, you start at the junior levels. I believe most here have worked, you know, an under 19 event. And then from there, you kind of graduate to like the senior events. And, but it's all selection based. So it's, it's, I can't, there's no actual application process. The fact that you're certified and licensed makes you, I guess, you know, implies that you're interested. And um, usually the, the, pro- the progression will be, so I went in 2018, I believe, to the world championships in Tenerife in Spain. And usually from that group, you know, you'll see a lot of people from, from there, you know, then make it to the Olympics. That's sort of, sort of the transition and then um yeah but it's you know it's 30 people and i think we have i don't even know how many international referees there are so it's it's really 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 kind of luck of the draw in a sense i mean you have to be good you have to be you know in the mix and then even so like it's it's you know yeah just just admit it you're just admit it you're the with like an emotion, uh, not emotional, but a, a motivational or inspirational quote, quote. 
but what is something maybe like what's your philosophy in your life or um, what is something that you kind of remember or keep in the back of your mind to motivate yourself or, or begin each day with? Is there something of that sort that, that you can think of or something that you believe in deeply that you'd like to share with us? Mm, I mean, obviously, like having more of a, you know, a background, you know, with, with the Japanese mom, I, I feel like Con Confucius has always been, you know, sort of a big inspiration, but like, you know, I feel like uh, for me, it's always, you know, you can, you can compare yourself to others or set goals, et cetera. But for me, it's always just been, you know, challenging myself, right? And not worrying so much about other things because let's be real, especially in this profession, there's very little that I can control, right? Um, but it's just always uh, striving, I think, you know, just to see how far you can get. Right. And never quite be satisfied and just resting on your laurels. It's, you know, there's always something, right. There's always something that you can improve, something that you don't know. Um, you know, for me, I, I love learning. Uh, so I try to learn something right every day and, and just feel like, you know, the next, the day is an opportunity to get better at my craft, right. Compared to yesterday. I know that sounds a little bit, might sound a little cheesy, but um, I think because refereeing, is such an, a subjective thing, right? It's not like you, you answer a hundred questions out of a hundred correctly and you get a perfect score and you get the nomination. It's, uh, it's just a very broad package of, you know, both the, the fitness aspect, right? And the rules knowledge, but also sort of the, the psychology, the human psychology of being able to, to work with different people, different mentalities, right? You know, different teams, different coaches. Like, I think that that's probably been why I've, I've you know, been at this for this long and, and still sort of enjoying it. You know, that there's always like, I don't know, it's like a challenge uh, to, for yourself, right? If that makes sense. So I think that would probably be my thing rather than always look at, oh, I want this game, I want that game, I want, you know, because that's really not how this business works. And maybe that, that's the same in, in, in business in general, right? It's the right place at the right time, being prepared, right? Um, you know, having a little bit of luck, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's, it's when I look back at it, and you know, obviously talking to you, Stephanie, about, you know, coming from UH and, and sort of thinking through these past, you know, I graduated, what, in 2001? So that's, you know, a long time ago. Um, but just, you know, life is so beautiful, like to see coming from Denmark, Japanese mom ending up in Hawaii and this amazing, you know, this amazing family in Hawaii, right, you know, playing for Vince uh, for those four years and, and meeting, you know, you know, making friends and, and building relationships that still to this day are some of the most, you know, special things for me, right, and uh, hopefully making a stop back through Hawaii on the, on the way back to the mainland. It's been two years, so you know I, I really, really missed it. And and honestly, I think Hawaii is such a special place. Like you all know, you live there. Um, you know, I would love to make it maybe a part-time residence if I start to sort of taper off a little bit. But but truly, I mean, it's it's been kind of a fun ride, you know. And and to think that I've ended up here is just, you know. I feel like now is when I should drop the mic and just walk away, but <laughs> maybe not quite yet. Yeah, yeah. Maybe well, a few where, more where, years. Are you, where are you based at now? 
so um, what I like to call a very expensive storage unit is in Portland, Oregon. Because I travel almost 300, 300 plus days out of the year. So I'm, I'm never, never there. But I would say, you know, if one thing with the pandemic, one positive that I, I took away from it was everything shut down, right? Even sports, you never could imagine that sports would stop in America, right? But for everything to just stop and to hit the pause button and be able to relax and just be in the moment and enjoy just simple life for, I think I was off for maybe three months was unbelievable. Like I've never ever, you know, I know I'm sure we, you know, you guys were in a similar, similar situation somewhat, right? But to actually hit a pause button and not always have that, yeah, I can step away, I can take time off, but everything continues without me. You know, there's always that kind of pressure to feel like you have to, you know, continue. And if you're, if you're out, you're, you're falling behind, et cetera. But, but really to have that moment was, I mean, that was really, I think, life-changing for me and, and sort of puts your, you know, you, I'm sure everyone sort of thought about, you know, their lives, their careers, you know, where they kind of see themselves and, and um, you know, what's really important, right? I think that was probably something that, that made me realize that as much of a blessing as officiating has been, you know, to my life, it's also been in a huge sacrifice, right? Um, traveling as much as I have, uh, you know, because unfortunately I can't referee a game on Zoom. I wish I could, but uh, that technology is not quite there yet. Um, you know, but to always physically have to be on the road, right? That's, you know, looking back and thinking I've done done this for almost 20 years, that's, that's pretty wild. Like I have a lot of air miles, a lot of hotel <laughs> nights, right? But, you know, it's definitely... You know, as sweet as as it's been, it's it's certainly also come with with a huge sacrifice. So, hopefully, you know, with this this being you know sort of the the last pinnacle. I mean, you know, I worked final fours in college, you know, WNBA finals, and then to be at the highest stage in the international game, I sort of feel like okay, maybe it's okay to you know not always push, 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 and and start to maybe take some time for myself and enjoy you know enjoy life, right. Wow, it, so. wow, what a great realization. I love hearing, yeah. you, hearing you talk about all of that. And you know what? Yeah. It was so awesome living through you and being at the Olympics and you know, giving us a little inside look. And we know that mm -hmm. the games are winding down. And so we really hope that you enjoy every moment of it. Um God, I can't believe it's already coming to an end so soon. But I know. Yeah. I know, I know. And yeah, my with your insight, I'm going to watch the referees and the judges way more. <laughs> well, maybe as much as the athletes themselves, because you guys work um, just so hard and people forget that. So thank you for that your insights. Thank you. That's so true. Much. We're, we're not just out there trying to ruin it for somebody. We're actually, right. you know, held you to care. a very high standard. And you every, care. Every yeah, play yeah. gets evaluated. Yeah. So that's another thing I, I, I want fans to take away from, from here. We're not just like rolling up and just throwing the ball up and then just see what, let's see what happens. You know, Absolutely. there's a lot of time that goes into that too. Yeah. Well, well Maya, we wish we could ask thanks you. For your, yeah. yeah. No, I was going to just say thank you so much for your time too. It's, it's really interesting to hear your perspective and mm -hmm. you have this worldly view that's probably a different, I mean, very unique, right? To see players from the side and on the court and roughing it on. Thank you for humanizing referees. I know it's a hard job. Mm -hmm. My sister runs a youth, the youth soccer, the younger refs and tries, and it's, it's crazy to watch all of it, right? So thank mm -hmm. you for 
doing that and showing that you can balance like being humble but standing in your power and just also yeah. putting people in their place i think that's super yeah. awesome and it's a incredible <laughs> model for girls out right. there who want to try something different you know and they, you're showing you're paving the way for them so thank you yeah. for bringing that to light for our listeners um, and spending time with us um, all the oh, way yeah. from Tokyo. Mm-hmm. I know, you're so busy. We, we're seriously super stoked and excited that we got to talk to you because we're just like, oh, is it really going to happen? Or, but mm. you know, we respect that you have, you, you have a full-time job, so we're not going to pull you away from that. But thank you so much for making time for us. And then maybe the next episode could be about fun whistle whistling games like <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs> anytime, anytime. I mean, I would like to obviously, you know, sort of shed some light on this profession because I, I really think that it's a little bit of a black box, right? From the outside. And mm-hmm. and I think especially totally. for women, you know, for, for girls that, that are interested, you know, it's it's certainly something that's that's possible and, and amazing. So yeah, thanks so much, Mai, for being with us on Mothership Podcast. Oh, my, arigato Did I say that right? Gambate? Perfect. <laughs> Yay. All right. Thanks so much, Mai. Best of luck to you. And yes. we'll be rooting for you too on the court. Yes. <laughs> Sounds good. Games. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Aloha, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye.